rolling here. <clears throat> okay, uh, let's look this morning at, um, uh, I wrote this down here, so I could uh, um, <clears throat> keep it uh, there. But anyway, uh, so you made a mistake. I mean, we've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. And, uh, and I think sometimes as, as ministers, sometimes we, uh, and it works for everybody, not just ministers, but uh, sometimes we ministers, we feel like, you know, well, I'm never supposed to make a mistake. Listen, that's ridiculous. Jesus has died for all our sins. Preachers are not in another category. I know sometimes uh, they get put up on a pedestal. I can put myself up on a pedestal or whatever. And all that does is it gets me prepared for, uh-oh, if I make a mistake, uh, then I might condemn myself and I'm going to wallow around in self-pity for such a long time and I will quit praying and things like that. And then when you quit praying, you're, uh, you're giving up your own mercy. So well, we're not going to do that. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So let's start here. Let's start at First uh, Timothy uh, chapter uh, one. Let me get over here to it, and let's see what we got here. Uh, this makes no difference. Uh, Jesus has got the same forgiveness for all of us. Okay, First Peter. Uh, I mean, excuse me, First Timothy chapter one, and let's start down here, at verse thirteen, and. Uh, this is talking about, um, Paul is actually writing about himself, and look what he says. He says, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious? Well, anyway, uh, that may have lost some of us already, so let's go to the Living Bible. Let's go ahead and get this into some language that uh, maybe here at Alabama we're used to. Oh, let's see what we got here. Yeah, even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ. Now, I can recognize that. I used to make fun of Jesus, Peter. I mean, uh, Paul was saying. I hunted down his people, harming them in every way I could. But God had mercy on me because I didn't know what I was doing. For I didn't know Christ at that time. Oh, how kind our Lord was. And he showed me how to trust him and become full of the love of Christ. How true it is and how I long that everyone should know this, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Notice this. And I was the greatest of them all. Now, a lot of people immediately, we jump to this and we think, see there, he made reference to because that was before I knew Jesus. Oh, yeah. Well, now, you are really setting yourself up for some major condemnation if you think that Jesus is only interested in forgiving you before you met him. No. I will show you this morning that uh, your sins, it makes no difference at what point. At any point you ever sin, Jesus will forgive you. But anyway, I wanted you to see that Paul said that I was the greatest of them. That's what Paul made reference to. Wow. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, and let's look at another one of these. In Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, we'll go back to the King James again here in just a moment. Ephesians 3, look down here at verse 8. What do we got here? Uh, Paul again mentions, and he says, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given? In other words, he was saying about himself, I, I mean, I'm at the very bottom of the bucket here. you know. But he says, yet this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Again, that sure leads us to believe that there's more than just going to heaven. <clears throat> I'll go ahead and add verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. In other words, fellowship, that what is your part of this mystery? It's not just about forgiveness. How, how mysterious could that be? God will forgive you. It's been a mystery all these years. No, it's more than just forgiveness. 
It's the prodigal coming home and getting a robe back on and getting shoes for his feet and a ring for his finger and having a party when he lived such a horrible life, but yet he was forgiven and all these things were restored. You can call yourself an outcast if you want to, but the blood of Jesus has made provision for you and I. Now, let's go to the book of Galatians here. And in the book of Galatians, uh, let's see. Let's go over here to chapter 6 and uh, look at verse 1. Brethren, he's writing to a whole church here. If a man be overtaken in a fault, well, obviously this would have to be somebody in your church or whatever. You which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. You know, a lot of times we just point the finger. You know, well, I can't believe you did that, especially if we don't like him anymore. You know, but we know better. We wouldn't do that. <clears throat> Considering yourself, look at this, lest you also be tempted. Now, that part of the verse really shouldn't be in there because we're already so perfect. I mean, that's a no-brainer here. No, it's not a no-brainer. We have to watch it because we do have to consider ourselves because we all can be faced with different things. And just to say, well, I now belong to Jesus and I will never, ever make another mistake is ridiculous. Let me point out a very serious mistake that uh, took place in the book of Galatians earlier. We're going to go here to chapter 2. And uh, <clears throat> I know we all in here know of somebody when we first start thinking about the Lord's disciples. Wonder if we could name some of the Lord's disciples. Well, one of the first ones we could think of would have to be Peter. Maybe another one would, would, would be John. Well, obviously Peter, and we tell stories about Peter at the pearly gate and whatever, and, you know, and jokes and whatever, So and St. Peter and whatever. Well, guess what? When are we ever going to learn that Peter, when he came to Jesus, you know, when are we going to move the marker and say, well, at this point, Peter never did ever make another mistake? I'm telling you, Paul had to address Mr. Peter right here and tell him what he had done wrong. So let's watch what happened. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, here we go. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. Now, this is Paul talking to Peter. Because he was to be, look at this, blamed. Well, you'd have to say that was sin. What was happening? Well, let me give you a little details, and we'll, then we can go a little further. Paul was only visiting with uh, <clears throat> with the Jewish leaders or the Jews uh, when the Jews would come to this certain town. They were way outside of Jerusalem. They were up in Antioch. It is what says Antioch. At the time, before the Jews got there visiting, you know, they got on the 747 to come see how the church was doing. Well, Peter was visiting with the Gentiles. He was eating with them and having a great time. But then, uh-oh, verse 12. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, saying, oh, no, I, I, I don't have anything to do with these kind of people. Oh, my goodness. Let's read this in the Living Bible. Let's kind of uh, add a little bit more uh, <clears throat> thought to it. For when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians, who don't bother with circumcision and many other Jewish laws. But afterward, when some Jewish friends of James came, he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore, because he was afraid of what these Jewish legalists who insisted that circumcision was necessary for salvation would say. And then all the other Jewish Christians, uh, let's see where I went to, uh, oh, yeah, mm, yeah, verse 13, oh, than all the other Jewish Christians, even Barnabas. Now, how many times have we heard of Barnabas? Now, guess what? He's done blown it now, too. He has sinned. He's made a mistake. See, we can all make mistakes. 
became hypocrites too, following Peter's example, though they certainly knew better. When I saw what was happening and that they weren't being honest about what they really believed, they weren't following the truth of the gospel, now that would have to be sin, wouldn't it? They're not following the truth of the gospel, of course. He said, I said to Peter in front of them all, though you are a Jew by birth, you have long since discarded the Jewish laws. So why all of a sudden are you trying to make these Gentiles obey them? So anyway, you know what happened here, and uh, Paul had to address it. So anyway, we can figure that uh, Peter must have recognized that, okay, okay, I've messed up here. Well, what do you do? Do you just say, well, Peter, I don't ever want to hear you preach the gospel anymore, because this is such a horrible thing. Or even if he's not a minister, well, I, 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 I did something so wrong, I guess, you know, I, I'm a bad example to Christianity, and, and God will no longer answer my prayers. This is ridiculous. God wants to answer your prayers all the time. You are inflicting your own wounds in your life, and it's designed by the devil to try to get you to roll over and not pray anymore. Try to get you to realize that, you know, God doesn't want to bless you anymore. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Let's go to... Uh, uh, let's go to First uh, John, and let's begin to look at some things here. I love this because uh, we all make mistakes, and uh, we can let our minds try to tell us that God is totally unhappy with us, and that's just not true. Look down here at First John chapter one, and look at verse nine. If we confess our sins, now this is written to Christians. Okay, here really is First John. I never would have read it if I didn't know about Jesus. I wouldn't have anything to do with this verse. If we confess our sins, he says uh, he, can be, he can be depended on to forgive us and cleanse us from, wow, every wrong. And it's perfectly, perfectly proper for God to do this for us because God, excuse me, Christ died to wash away, look at that, our sins. Now that's the living Bible. A lot of times we want to say, well, he forgives us because that's, that's uh, before we came to know Jesus. Well, 1 John is such a wonderful book. I'm going to show you that that couldn't be so. It means sins no matter what. Anyway, the King James, we'll go back and look at this. Uh, so used to quoting this. And I say, Richard, did you learn how to quote this because you needed it for preacher school? No, I needed to learn how to quote this because I kept making mistakes. And I'll probably make some mistakes this week. And I'm just so thankful that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if I want you to watch closely. We're scrolling down. If you have your Bible, you would notice this. That's verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9, verse 10. And then if you go a little further, all of a sudden what happens? It starts with uh, uh, chapter 2. Now, this is only two verses away from there. He says, my little children... These things write I unto you, that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Okay, so if anybody makes a mistake, we have an advocate, that means a, a lawyer, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now verse 2, he says, and he's the propitiation, that just means the atoning sacrifice, for our sins. Notice the difference here. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, comparing sins as a Christian with sins as before I knew Jesus. So for you to make such a strong distinction between the two is ridiculous. It's the same blood that covers it all. Same blood. 
don't put yourself in time out. Don't sit there and say, God won't heal me now because I've been a Christian for so long and I did something I really feel so sorry about. Well, if you feel so sorry about it, why don't you confess it before the Lord and get your forgiveness? Didn't David say in Psalm 103, oh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all to them me. Bless his holy name and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all thine iniquities. Why is my sin so, so great that God will not forgive me? And that's ridiculous. It is not so great that God would not forgive you. And one thing we don't seem to realize that even though we are sorry for our particular sins, guess what? It was the sin of Adam in Romans chapter 5 that cost Jesus his blood. It wasn't yours. By one man's offense, death reigned. One transgression, just one single transgression, put us all in bondage. But on the other hand, one person's obedience put us all back in position to go to heaven and to live with Christ and to have our prayers answered. It's the reason we pray in the name of Jesus. Otherwise, I'm stuck. I've got to pray in the name of Richard. And so far this morning, I've been doing pretty good. But, oh, no, if I slip up in a little bit, I can no longer use the name of Jesus. No, that's ridiculous. I use the name of Jesus all day long. Anyway, uh, let's, go, let's read this one, the same verse, out of, um, uh, out of the Living Bible here just a moment. My little children, I'm telling you this is so, that you will stay away from sin. But if you sin, notice he didn't say, I'm going to fall off my chair. Boy, I cannot believe somebody sinned. Oh, my goodness. No, he said, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. The book of Hebrews calls him, of course we know, it's Jesus, but he's your high priest. The Bible also makes reference in the book of Hebrews that God knows our infirmity. He knows we're weak, but we want to think we're super Christians. I should never have made a mistake. No, you don't need to be thinking that way. You need to be considering how great Jesus is, and he'll always plead your case for you. His name is Jesus Christ, the one who is after all that is good and who pleases God completely. Look at verse 2. He is the one who took God's wrath against our sins upon himself and brought us into fellowship with God. And he is the forgiveness for our sins. Oh, let me scroll down a little bit. Oh, where we go? Uh, yeah, he's the forgiveness for our sins, and here's the difference, and not for ours only, but for the world's. Praise the Lord. Let's jump ahead and let's watch David deal with a problem that came in his life. And let's just see... If uh, maybe it is true that I need to, uh, I need to just not pray for a few weeks and uh, feel really bad and uh, um, you know and just waller around and knowing that I can't believe I did something wrong I should have never done it you know and whatever and well let's just see Psalm 32 would be good oh uh, let me go over here to the King James just don't get us rolling in this oh. Uh, Psalm 32, verse 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Well, wouldn't it be great if we had that kind of forgiveness? Oh, where have we been? And you know better than that. You always have forgiveness. Let me give you a few for instances. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He said, Come, let us reason together. He didn't say, Come and let me tear you up. Come and let me chew you out for what you did. No, mm -mm, not true. There was a paralyzed guy. The disciples, well, some disciples brought him to Jesus. And they tore up the roof and they let him down. And the first thing Jesus told that young man was he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Praise the Lord. 
Oh, we condemn ourselves. It's ridiculous. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Him that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. I mean, how far do you want me to go with this? It's over. If you will listen to the heavenly music in your heart that's always playing, you'll find out that God always forgives you. And you don't need to be putting yourself in time out. Well, time out, I'm not going to pray for a week. You couldn't earn one bit of your forgiveness. You could not earn one bit of answered prayer. But the devil will try to make you think that. Don't ever think that way. You need to think about the wonderful blood of Jesus and what Jesus does for you. He'll help you. So anyway, back to Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Now, how would you know it was forgiven or how would you know it was covered? The only way to tell that is not by your feelings, but by what God has promised you. Verse 2, blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Well, we're getting into some big words here. Let's help us out with the Living Bible here. But notice it didn't say, you know, God just thinks you're special because you never have made a mistake. That's what we think sometimes. I never have made a mistake, so God really loves me. No. There's a verse over in Romans chapter 5 that says, even those who have not sinned, after the similitude of Adam. I don't care if you think you were absolutely so perfect. Guess what? You're stuck with what Adam did. Adam messed you up. And so we all had to come through the blood of Jesus. So even when we feel like we're perfect, mm -mm, it's Jesus is who makes us perfect. Anyway, so anyway, back to Psalm 32. What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven? You know, a lot of times we reverse this and we say, well, I'm just thankful I'm alive. We need to be thankful we're forgiven. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are forgiven. What joys when sins are covered? Over. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record? Now, according to 1 John 1, 9, wonder what time that would take place. Well, 1 John 1, 9 happens when you put it to work. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Anyway, verse 3. There was a time when I wouldn't admit what sinner I was. But my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. Yep, makes sense to me. As long as you wall around in it, you're asking for it. Verse 4, all day and all night your hand was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water on a sunny day. Until I finally admitted all my sins to you and, you, and, and stopped trying to hide them. We always like to rewrite there, uh, 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 and we like to say, until God quit beating me up, you know, or, or, you know, when God told me everything was okay. No, God had nothing to do with it because God already promised you he would forgive you. It was when we decided to do something about this. David said, I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord. And notice this, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Now, remember, this is a psalm we're supposed to slip our shoes in it, and no matter what we have ever done, it's the exact same thing. Now, what I love to notice is there was something serious going on in David's life, and he didn't say, well, Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to pray for a couple of weeks here. I know I've got some trouble, some financial trouble, maybe some healing trouble or whatever, or some people problems, and I'm just not going to pray right now because I have not been the best Christian and, and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. David went right after his problem with the Lord. He said, Lord, i got to have you help. So watch what he does here, verse 6. Now I say uh, uh, that each believer should confess his sins to God when he's aware of them. While there's time to be forgiven, judgment will not touch him if he does. <laughs> I mean, it was wonderful. Praise the Lord. Glory. 
We're always worried that we're going to face judgment. It says here, it ain't going to happen. Look at verse 7. You are my hiding place. Can you stomach what we're fixing to read here? Will you dare to believe what we read in Psalm 32 here? Remember, he just got through talking about something that was so horrible. I've made such a mistake here. Oh, no, I couldn't even sleep. I couldn't even sleep about it. Till finally I admitted to you, Lord, what I did wrong. He says, you are my hiding place from every storm of life. You even keep me from getting into trouble. Why do I love Jesus so much? Because he is my personal Savior. He is there to help me. He's not there to beat me up. This is so fantastic. I'm not going to go on to verse 8 without reading 7 again because we want to let that sink in. You are my hiding place from every storm of life. You keep me from getting into trouble. Praise the Lord. And you could even say trouble, you know, even when we make our own mistakes or whatever. Praise the Lord. God's going to get you out. See, a lot of times we say, well, and a lot of times this is how the devil will try to get you to uh, just not pray or whatever. He'll just say, you've made your bed. You just live in it. The way you acted, the way you represent Jesus Christ. You know, Richard, it's just repulsive, it's just repulsive what, you, what you have done, whatever. And he'll mention that about you. You, know, you are the worst Christian whatsoever. No, you are not the worst Christian. Glory. Uh -uh. You are my hiding place from every storm of life. You even keep me from getting into trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I mean, with songs of victory. I will instruct you, saith the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. He says, don't be like the senseless horse or mule that has to have a bit in its mouth to keep it in line. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but, a, but abiding love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Now, I wonder which one we are. Are we the wicked or are we the ones that, uh, who trust the Lord? Well, come on. We're the ones that trust the Lord, you know. So he says in verse 11, so rejoice in him. Oh, but Richard, I can't rejoice in him because I feel so sad. Well, let me tell you something. This is your responsibility. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Same situation here. I mentioned it last Sunday. You know, you have to rejoice in the Lord yourself. Again, I say rejoice. I know that's Philippians, but, but uh, oh, excuse me, I'm trying to quote, uh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That was spoken when everybody felt so bad for seemingly looked like they had forgotten God over all these years. But Ezra the high priest said, this is a holy day. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You have got to make up your mind and say, you know what, I'm going to rejoice. Notice, do you see how it's an invitation so rejoicing? And he didn't say, do you feel like rejoicing? Do you just feel like you're forgiven? No, he never asked you if you felt like it or if you wanted to rejoice. He said to rejoice in him. He said, all, the, all those who are his, and I love this, he didn't say all those who have not blown it. He said, all those who are his, I belong to him just like I belong to my mother here on this front row of the church here. I mean, I be, I, there's no way I could not belong to her. I am always her son. So rejoice in him, all those who are his, and shout for joy, all those who try to obey him. And what we're trying to do, we are trying to obey him. Glory to God. Praise God. <clears throat> okay, let's go over to uh, the book of Hebrews now. Praise the Lord. Oh, I just think that's fantastic. Oh, before I get there, I want us to go. I want to show you one more uh, in uh, in the book of Psalms before we go back over there. And it's in Psalm 143. Uh, 
Oh, and I want to look at it the King James for a second, then we're going to switch back to the Living Bible. Notice this, hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications, in thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. Now, I don't want to read any further, I just want to tell you right now, he opens it out by hear my prayer. He's basically saying, I'm in trouble, and I need you to hear me. This is not a religious thing like, oh God, please hear me. No, he is so desperate, and we miss it trying to make these passages be so religious. I mean, as though David didn't know what he was doing. He was just sort of, he was in seminary. That's what it was. No, David was the king of Israel, and shall we say, almost like what's going on today. Iran saying, we're going to eliminate Israel this week. I mean, you, that, that rhetoric is being said in the world today. Uh, you see it on the news. I mean, this is not something new. The Iranian, whatever his name is, he said, they're, they're celebrating an anti-Jerusalem day because the Zionist regime is going to be gone. And they stretched it so far. They said that the Western world, America too, they're going to wipe us out too. So this is not something silly that we're hearing. So David says as the king of Israel, uh-oh, hear my prayer, Lord. Give ear to my supplication, which just means my request. Notice this, in your faithfulness, answer me. Oh, I wish we would get that. He's saying, God, you are so faithful, I want you to answer me. Instead of like, well, whatever you want to do. Don't ever say whatever you want to do, God. No, 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 no. Not unless you're dedicating your life for service or whatever. That's different. Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. But when you know there's a problem out there and there's trouble, don't ever say, you know, well, whatever you want to do. If you want me to live, I'll live. If you want me to die, I'll die, whatever. No, you're smart enough to know you need help. Look at verse 2. This is so amazing. And enter not into judgment with your servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Wow. David was in so much trouble here. He did not want to have to deal with, uh, uh, you know, well, I don't, I don't deserve any of these things, and I guess I might as well just not even pray, you know, because I, I, you're gonna, I'm, I'm just guilty no matter what. Listen to this in the, in the Living Bible. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Answer my plea because you are faithful to your promises. Don't bring me to trial. Well, if you're so holy, you don't need to be brought to trial. Well, David knew he wasn't so holy. He'd make some mistakes. For as compared with you, no one is perfect. And then David drops it. He goes right into number three and he says, oh, okay, here's my issues. There's an enemy trying to kill me. They're trying to put me on suicide watch. I mean, on the, you know, uh, they're, they're trying to uh, assassinate me. And uh, look what he says. My enemies chased me. They caught me. They knocked me to the ground. They forced me to live in the darkness like those in the grave. Now, let's keep reading here. Let's just see if David says, you know, Lord, but sometimes I learn a lot of things in these kind of situations. And it's probably the Lord's will that you want me to be tormented. Are you kidding? David's going to say, get me out of this trouble. You're the rock that gets me out all the time. So he says in verse 4, I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. Remember the glorious miracles you did in days of long ago. See, where have we been? We have got miracles too. But for some reason, we want to think because of our own goody goodness, God won't help us. Oh, your goody goodness is based on Jesus Christ. He will get you out. I reach out for you, verse 6. I thirst for you as a parched land thirsts for rain. Look at verse 7. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Well, do you ever feel like you're depressed? Yeah. Don't turn away from me, or I shall die. <laughs> 
Yeah, but somebody will say, yes, but sometimes, you know, it's these moments like these that God wants us all to learn. Well, I'm going to learn only what David learned. If David wants to cry out to Jesus when he's in trouble, then this fellow by the name of Richard Adair is going to do the same. And guess what? I'll have the same results David did. Let me see your kindness to me in the morning. Sounds like he was expecting it at least within 24 hours, wasn't it? For I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk for my prayers it, for my prayer is sincere. Look at verse 9. Save me from my enemies. Notice he never did say, well, you know, it's okay if you don't answer. It's okay if you don't rescue me. No, it's not okay. I want you to rescue me. Look at this. Oh, Lord, I run to you to hide me. Help me do your will, for you are my God. Verse 10 says, oh, and he, I, I passed it. Excuse me. Lead me in the good paths, for your spirit is good. Lord, saving me, now you're ready for this because as Americans, sometimes we don't believe this is the proper thought. Uh, Lord, saving me will bring glory to your name. It will. Jesus even said the same thing in John chapter 14. <clears throat> Whatsoever he asks the Father in my name, I'll do it that the Son may re receive glory. Okay. Bring me out of all this trouble because you are true to your promises. And because of your loving and kind, because you are loving and kind to me, cut off all my enemies and destroy those who are trying to hurt me, harm me, for I am your servant. You reckon God will do that for you? Well, is it in your Bible? Well, He'll do it for you. It belongs to you. Praise the Lord. All right, you just can't hardly, you know. I just roll over to Psalm 144. We won't go there the whole time. But look at verse one. Bless the Lord, who is my immovable rock. He gives me strength and skill in battle. He's always kind and loving to me. He is my fortress, my tower of strength and safety, my deliverer. He stands before me as a shield. He subdues my people under me. Praise the Lord. Where have we been? Well, I'll tell you where we've been. Praise the Lord. We've been forgiven. Jesus Christ has forgiven us of all our sins. I mean, he has. We've got the blessing of the Lord on us. And for us to sit there and wallow around and say that, well, you know, God won't forgive us is really ridiculous. <clears throat> oh, oh, in in uh, Matthew chapter nine here. Oh, look at uh, verse one. And so Jesus climbed up into the boat and he crossed over the lake to Capernaum, his hometown. And we're going to stop right here. Soon, some men brought a paralyzed boy on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick boy. Cheer up, son. Sounds like the same thing the Lord said. Be happy. Rejoice. Cheer up, for I have forgiven your sins. Well, some people in the room, they spoke up and they said, Blasphemy! This man is saying he is, a, he is God, exclaimed some of the religious leaders to themselves. Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to them, Why are you thinking such evil thoughts? What Jesus called it evil thoughts. You know what? And you need to think it's evil, too, if you ever think God will not forgive you. Think about it. The Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God wants me to forgive, so I guess he wants me to forgive, but then God won't forgive me. Uh, unheard of. Unheard of. Jesus goes on to say, I, the Messiah, have authority on earth to forgive sins. But talk is cheap. Anybody could say that. So I'll prove, to, I'll prove it to you by healing this man. And he turned to the paralyzed man and commanded him, pick up your stretcher and go home for you are healed. The boy jumped up and he left. Now, let's go back a second. 
there's some wonderful things here. A lot of times we get to thinking that, well, Jesus promised only to forgive me. No, he didn't either. He'll help you. He will help you. And you need to look for that. And you should be reminded of this. The paralytic was let down in front of Jesus. He was told, your sins are forgiven. But then he didn't say, no, that's not all, son. He didn't tell him, you know, that, uh, that that's the end of it. I can just forgive you. Don't be counting on ever walking again. Oh, yes, you should always count on walking again. You should be looking for your miracle. God wants to help you. It's our own, our own ignorance and unbelief that tries to make us feel that God won't help us. Because, saints, it's true. Jesus will forgive you. I mean, he will. And not only will he forgive you, it's just like the prodigal. Praise the Lord. He'll put that ring on your finger, shoes for your feet, and a robe on you. And he'll kill the fatted calf. And you can have a party, and there'll be music, and there'll be dancing. And if you're not thinking along those lines, you're not thinking according to the heavenly language. The heavenly language that Jesus is revealing to you and I is that he wants you to be happy today. I don't care what you've done. It makes no difference. Jesus is the one that will make you well. Well, anyway, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you by your stripes that we're healed. Lord, we also thank you that you supply every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And, Lord, if there is any giants out there, anything in the way trying to stop us, Psalm 18 says, I'll call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Well, Lord, what else does that really leave? Well, it, all it leaves is for us to go tell others about Jesus. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for us. And, Lord, that's what we're going to do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right.